Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you're listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Eva Shockey is one of hunting's most recognized names. Born in British Columbia, Eva grew up in a hunting family before making the decision to dive headfirst into the hunting industry at the age of 20. Today, she lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, where she balances her career, motherhood, and marriage. In this episode of Anchored, I sit down with Eva to discuss her first hunting trip, hunting with cameras, and online bullies. I remember rowing down the river. It would have been 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. On the Saugeen with a friend of mine, Nick Pujic. He had nothing but great things to say about you, and that was how I first learned about Eva Shockey. 10 years ago, wolf. Yeah. It would have been right about that. Yeah, I think... I was 20, so I would have just... Yeah, it would have been right around there. I, I had just started hunting right then, so mm-hmm. that would have been... That, yep, yeah, and you'd come up to an event, and you looked great, he said. And from then on, I started to hear your name more and more, and people would be like, Eva Shockey has kind of a similar career to you, but in hunting, and it's much bigger because it's in hunting. Well, fly fishing. I mean, it's <laughs> just the world. I think just, a lot of hunters are fishermen and vice versa. You know, it all kinds of cross, crosses over. Yeah, but I've been watching you for a really long time, so it's super cool to have you here. Um, especially now that you're a mom. So we're just going to dive into it because we are time poor. Because I, we're both moms. And, and, <laughs> and we're both looking at our clocks. Right? Thinking like, oh, we have to get back to our baby. <laughs> it's so true. Story of my life right now. Things have changed. Yes. Have changed. Uh, so let's just start off real simple with where you were born and raised. So I am from Vancouver Island in Canada, which is an absolutely beautiful place. It's actually where we're recording right now. And it's, yeah, I'm from just down the road. And I loved, loved, loved growing up here. It's very... Very outdoorsy. I didn't hunt for my early years in my childhood. I only started hunting later on, and so. But I grew up in 
basically in the mountains and the at the ocean and the river, you know, whatever wasn't under a roof. And I adored that. And I now I now live over in the States. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, but I'm home right now and I'm loving every second of it. It makes every time I come home, I'm like, why don't we live here? I don't know what we're doing. Why don't you live here? That and I don't mean to like jump that far ahead in your timeline, but what is the draw about living down south? So I love it. We actually adore it. We're, we moved there on purpose with no friends or family. So we did it very, yeah. We, oh. we moved there knowing that. And it was by choice. And the southern lifestyle is just so laid back. I love it because it's one of the few places I've lived. And I've lived a lot of places over the years where it's very normal to be a hunter and to be a female hunter. All my girlfriends, well, I would say half of them at least, personally hunt so it's not just their husbands that hunt and they're okay with it which even that is fine to me as long as the people get it because otherwise I always feel like I'm the odd one out and it's hard to make friends because all the women are like I'm sorry what do you do with your life and but down there everyone my best two girlfriends I met the first weekend that I met them we were on a dove hunt together and all three of us were pregnant like five to seven months pregnant and we were all shooting guns and I'm looking around like where am I right now that there's people like me here and so that's we live there we're building a house we're staying there for um god willing for good um but I I do love coming home but the reason back to your question the reason we don't live in BC my husband's from Ontario so we're both Canadian I didn't know he's Canadian yeah we're both Canadian I know and we live in Raleigh people get very confused but he thinks it rains too much here and to be fair it does and I could not convince him. He just could not get over the fact it just rains a big portion of the year on the on the West Coast. But that's part of the charm. But when you grow up here, you get it. And when you don't, I can see it would maybe be a little much. And then I don't like cold weather. So he's from Ontario, and he could not convince me that it was, it was worth it to move over there. Because I love being outside all the time. Yeah. And I have a hard time living places where you're stuck inside because of the weather. So we basically took a couple years and negotiated and didn't come to an agreement. So we said, let's, let's, instead of trying to force one person one, one place or the other, we decided to just look at a map and literally choose our favorite place on the map because we both were very, yeah, we could move wherever with our jobs. And, um, I had a U.S. or we both had U.S. work visas. And so we could look at U.S. and Canada and we kind of said, well, there's no point living somewhere else in Canada without our family. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So let's live in the States where we want to live. And Raleigh is, he played, um, he was an NHL hockey player mm-hmm. and he played for Raleigh for a couple of years earlier, um, right when we met six-ish years ago. And he loved it and had always talked about it. And that was just kind of where we ended up. I am so happy I asked. Yeah, I had no idea. It's a idea. weird story. We actually met in Raleigh, I think it was six years ago now, at the Dixie Dare Classic, which is a hunting expo. I was there in a booth like doing my appearance thing, and he was at the time playing for their NHL hockey team, and he came in, and he doesn't love the story, but I think it's so sweet. He came in and talked to me maybe for two minutes because I was you know, in a booth like I am when there's lots of people, and I kind of have a two-minute, hi, how are you? I'm even nice to meet you. Like, What are you doing here? Okay, see ya, because like, the next person in line is there. And he talked to me for those two minutes, just very friendly, casually. And he told his friend that day he was going to marry me. No, <laughs> yeah. what? Were you did, which, were you drawn to him at all? Like was- I, he was the only person the whole trip that I had. I turned to the girl that was working in the booth with me. Um, she was helping me out, and I said, "He is really cute." And that's all I remember saying. And he had told me he didn't come up and say, "Oh, I play NHL," because I would have been like, "Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Bleh. <Right. laughs> um, you know, if that was his opening line." <laughs> but he he said something like very vague, like, "Oh, he said he was Canadian," is why how we started. And he said, "I'm working here 
in Raleigh. And I said, what do you do? He says, oh, I play hockey. And I'm thinking, hmm. like, you don't just work in Raleigh and play hockey. You, the only way you play hockey here is if you play professionally. So that I kind of figured that out on my own. But yeah, that wasn't, that was not a deal maker for me is, oh, you play hockey. Let's, let's start dating. My grandpa, Len, who was one of my favorite people, my daughter's named after him. Um, he, he's been on our show for years. A lot of people that follow would probably be familiar with him. He was a hockey player. He was a little bit of like a ladies man and just, just, a little brat. And he said, don't ever marry a hockey player. And he, which I was like, okay. And I didn't have any intention of listening or not, but, um, yeah, if he would have met Tim, he would definitely have changed his mind, but he passed away before he met Tim by a few months. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Grandpa Lynn. Well, it's obviously working out and yes. we'll get to there. So because I have had your dad on the show and he has a lot of very interesting things to say, I'm, I'm gonna, because you and I are time poor, and he's already covered a lot of your upbringing. I'm going okay. to refer people to your dad's sure. interview. Perfect. Um, just, just to kind of get to how you were. But I kind of want to jump into where you go to college. Okay. Because it sounds like you were, uh, and from what I've seen anyway, it sounds like you're a dancer, like your beautiful mom. Yes. And it's funny that you, lived in the, that you live in the South now because one of the first things I said to your dad is, your mom has an air about her. She's got this real beautiful, classy, Southern belle air to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I've never met your mom. But there's just some, I lived in the South for a bit and she just reminds me of like a bell. Yeah, and she is. But like a very, sometimes those have negative connotations of being kind of snooty. She's like the belliest, sweetest, most loving, like all of us, like, I don't know how she does it. Right. Okay. You know, she's not one of those like sweet, sweet tea. What do they, what do they say? Oh, well, God bless her. Yeah, or like she's yeah. not one of those. Exactly. No, no, no. Before you start talking bad about them. Yeah. 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 No, she's, she is a sweetheart and she was a ballet jazz dancer I'm I'm sure my dad talked about her and what she did before model actress dancer all that kind of stuff and so I grew up with her being very feminine and classy and not hunting and you know nothing to do with that and then my dad who's this mountain man and I kind of looked at both of them so I did a little bit of both I grew up and I was very athletic was on all the sports teams um was dancing competitively and then I started teaching dance and it took me a little while to get into the hunting world because I didn't know any females that hunted. And in Canada, we didn't have much of the outdoor television programming. We didn't, we don't have outdoor channel here. Um, so I just never saw it. I didn't have any friends that did it. I didn't have any moms or aunts or anything that did it other than the guys. And so I just, honestly, it was just for me a stereotype, like, oh, hunting's for guys. So your question was university. I graduated high school here locally, and then I went to Australia for university and did my degree there. Which what part of Australia? The Gold Coast. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it was. It, my parents kind of laugh. I went to university basically on Server's Paradise, which is where people go to vacation and just celebrate how awesome that location is, and that's where I spent my whole. Yes, I did I graduate, <laughs> and I had honors. I was like a, as good of a student as you could be, but I also definitely had a fun time and I came home and my parents were like, wait, what did, did you just get an actual degree or is it a fake degree? <laughs> it was real. And I, it was, I did a marketing business degree because I honestly, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do PR of some description or event planning or something like that. And I, at the time did not hunt when I went to university and I graduated and I was in the process of getting like my work visa and stuff in Australia because I just wanted to stay. I loved it. I had so many amazing friends and the location was just beautiful and I just I just was in love with it. And I came home one year right after I graduated with my marketing degree and came home to the, I think it was to SHOT Show, you know, the Shooting Hunting Outdoor Trade Show. It's in January, so it's sort of a 
collaboration of all the hunting and outdoors and guns and all that kind of stuff. And I came home and every year I had done it my whole year, my whole life basically growing up. And I came home and realized that if I were to stay in Australia, I was giving up the opportunity to work or be part of this outdoor industry. And even at that point, I still didn't necessarily know I wanted to hunt. I just knew I wanted to be part of the industry because I love the industry so much, even as a non-hunter, I wanted to work in it. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. The, Why? Like, what about it was appealing to you? Just the culture. It was so positive. It was outdoorsy and healthy and family-oriented. And I, I just loved the people. And I again, I, I was used to it my whole life, since I was probably five or six, was spent at trade shows every January. Mm-hmm. My, my parents would take us out of school and bring us, and we'd do all the events like every other adult did there. And I, I just remember... It, it was just who I was. It was part of me. I loved seeing my dad there making a difference. I could see that he would inspire people. And I just thought that was very cool. And again, I didn't hunt and that was what kind of opened my eyes. And so that was sort of a turning point for me because at that trade show, right after university, knowing that I wanted to be in the industry and I kind of made a quick decision of, I'm not going to go back to Australia. I'm going to stay and see what I can do here. I said, I should try hunting because if I don't try it, I'll never know if I don't like it. And then for the rest of my life, I'll be like, I never tried it. Who knows what would happen if I would have liked it. And so I told my dad that, which I don't know if he told you that story, but he was dumbfounded. (laughs) And I said, I want to try hunting at 20 or 21, whatever I was at the time. And be just be, basically because I wanted to see if I would possibly like it thinking I wouldn't and then I was planning on just joining the industry I was looking for marketing jobs you know just like the normal type of way to join an industry and I'm sure I would have settled in at whatever company and been totally fine and I went on my first hunt and I mean I, that was almost 10 years ago where <laughs> he said that he chose a warthog because yeah. it, it wasn't cute and that's true and that's <laughs> honestly I, I told him I wanted to go hunting and I still I knew when I was going to be holding the gun, I was not sure if I was going to be able to pull the trigger because I wasn't really a hunter. Like I was used to going on the trips. I was used to being around it. I ate wild game. Like I did everything to do with hunting. I just never pulled the trigger and I shot guns and whatever and bows. I just never shot a gun at an animal. And so that was the only thing I was missing. And I told him, I warned him. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And he said, okay. And he, he literally had zero pressure on me. He knew how much it meant to me to try it. And that alone, I think was enough for him that I was giving it a chance. And I went on the warthog hunt and I, I mean, I got a beautiful warthog and it was very emotional. And immediately I was like, this is so cool. We went, I got the warthog and we went back to camp and hung it and skinned it. And I thought that was weird too, because leading up to that moment when I hadn't been the hunter, I could never really watch the skinning process. I just thought it was kind of icky. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty feminine and girly and that's not my favorite having like blood everywhere. You know, it's just, it's a little gory. And until you actually are part of the whole process, the whole circle of it, of going on the hunt, practicing, getting your license, hiking, you know, stalking, being patient, having failed stalks, all that kind of stuff. And then finally getting the animal, going through all the work of finding it, bringing it back to camp, like all those steps. And then you hang it and you skin it. That day I had zero problem with it. And I thought that was very bizarre knowing how well I knew myself that that's what I needed to connect the dots between what I was eating and the animal that it came from. And since then I've never had an issue with it. And I've, I really appreciated that, like, coming to grace moment of this is you know I felt like everyone else like oh I eat meat but I don't really want to see it yeah and I'm like I don't know if that's fair because that animal had to give its life and it's part of the process and it's not the most beautiful part but it's it's a very integral part of it that's so cool to hear that you know I thought I was also terrified that I would find it 
icky. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I'm feminine, but not to that degree. Like I, I'm a, like a dirty feminine. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> can I, be when you need to. <laughs> yeah. I, but I find it really beautiful now being in, in part of, you know, in experiencing the entire hunt when you actually have that meat there and you can see the different cuts and the grains and the way that genetic, the genetic makeup is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really quite beautiful, isn't it? And knowing that that nourishment is coming into your body, like that yeah. protein's helping your protein. It's and, just, yeah, it is. And we ate it that night. And I just remember sitting there and being, everyone in camp ate it and being like, I provided this for everybody. It was just the first time that had ever happened. I'd always been taking it because my dad would hunt it or fish it or fish for it or whatever and bring it home. And I appreciated it, but I was taking it from someone else that was providing. And that's fine too. There's no nothing wrong with that. But there's a really cool feeling when you're like, I'm, and at the time I was 20 or whatever I was, 21, providing meat for my dad and my mom and, you know, like the camp people, the employees that worked in camp. And then they took some home for their families. Cause when you're in Africa, you generally don't take the meat back to North America with you, eat it there or you share it with the tribes and whoever needs it, which is an incredible feeling in itself. But yeah, that was sort of my first time I realized that like, this is, there's so much more to this lifestyle than just killing something. That's not what it's about. It's about the before and after and appreciating the during. And, um, yeah, I've, obviously never never stopped since then I just love it so where did you go from there then what were you thinking you were going to do with yourself so that's a also sort of interesting that at the time because that was my first hunt I had no intention of making that my job like I just wanted to hunt at that point so I wanted to be a hunter I wanted to hunt whenever I was able to I was 20 I had at that point like completely cut off from my parents as far as like I was not getting money or anything from anybody. So I had to pay my bills and pay my car bills and all that kind of stuff. So I was living in Vancouver and I remember sitting there, I was dancing at the time I was teaching dance and I was nannying to pay my bills. So I was doing like nannying during the day and then I would leave nannying and go teach dance. And that was just my day. Every no single wonder day. you're ticking. Like yeah. your clock must be going tick, tick, Yes. Tick. Yeah. And I was just crazy busy. And then I started hunting. So my dad Oh, I meant your maternal clock. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> okay. oh that clock. Yeah, that too. I've always loved kids. And I, I was actually voted in high school the first to get married and have kids, which is funny because then I actually went on to have a career and then took a little while to do all that. But um, I thought I was going, that was my dream, but then I fell in love with this crazy adventurous lifestyle and I'm like, you know what, I'm not, and I didn't meet my husband, obviously that was a big part of it, but it just didn't, it wasn't quite as urgent to me to get married and have kids at the time once I found out how much fun it was to just <laughs> go on adventures all over. So I was teaching dance and nannying and I would, my dad would say, oh, I'm going wherever to the Yukon, do you want to come this fall? And I'd say, okay. So I'd get my friend to fill in nannying with for me and then I'd um, dance I'd have an assistant teacher fill in and I'd go for a week and come back and then I started adding more and more trips that were kind of coming up because I started co-hosting the show with my dad not as a professional hunter but as a just you know a character and a family member and there was sort of a niche for we found out sort of a father-daughter relationship and bringing a girl in that had never hunted and people were like oh you know people because a lot of people are intimidated by the hunting world and I sort of stepped in saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's fun, kind of was my <laughs> was my motto. Like, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but I'm enjoying it, and I'm learning, and I'm asking questions, and that was, I make mistakes, and I to this day, I still make so many mistakes, it's insane. <laughs> and um, a lot of people were enjoying that, so like our, our ratings were really good for my shows, and a lot of the companies that were sponsors were starting to reach out to me and say they were interested in getting me using their products, and it... Now that's super normal, like social media, all the, you know, girls are 
in there and using a lot of products and promoting them. But at the time, it it's wasn't. It's totally different now. Yeah, it's 10 the years same ago. in fishing. It's yeah, totally I'm sure. different it, today. It was so different then. And I was like, okay, like it wasn't something I was trying to get. It, it was just a very natural, I was loving it so much and it was so fun. And I'm like, okay, I'll use, I mean, I use the product and I'll promote you basically. I'll, I'll be partnered with you, I guess you would say, because there was no social media. So it wasn't like they were trying to get me to fake promote something on social. It was really a genuine, I was going to use the product and, you know, I thought it was a good fit. And it slowly got to the point where I was going on so many hunts. I wasn't really doing a full-time nanny job anymore. I couldn't be there all the time. I wasn't really doing a great job at my dance job because I'd have to get people to fill in all the time. And finally I sat down with my dad and our um, sales guy at the time. And I said, I'd I'd love to be able to keep hunting, but I can't keep paying my bills with these part-time fill-in jobs. And I'm not being responsible to those jobs. And I'm kind of just in the middle of everything. I said, there's some way to get me a position in this company, like our family business, which it is a family business, but we it's not a kind of business where you just throw stuff like because we're a family member, you just get paid. It's deaf. My dad's very strict. Like we're just like everybody else, every other employee that works here, and you have to work your way <laughs> to get anything. Um, so we sat down and we made a. I was basically a I don't know event management. I was sort of my dad's assistant for about three or four years, which not my favorite job in the world. <laughs> It kind of morphed into that because I'm super organized and he knew that. And so he he gave me a couple of things, which was not my job title. And then eventually just turned into his like 24 hour on call assistant until I was at a position where I could hand that off, which now he has an amazing girl. Ellie does a great job. But until I could hand that off and feel like I had something else to say, this is what I'm doing with my time. Stop calling me at three in the morning. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Like in in the morning. Well, he'd be somewhere else. He'd be international and be like, I need to change my flight. Oh no. Like it would be three in the morning for me, but for him, it would be 7 PM or whatever. And so, yeah, so it was funny. It was, so I did work my way up very much in the company and, you know, I was literally getting paid enough to pay my bill, pay my house bill, pay my car bill and get like basic food for a while. But what I was doing was the lifestyle was traveling. I could travel on all these hunts and I got to help with the TV show and I just fell more and more in love with it. And that was just slowly, I think, cause it was so genuine and I was not scraping trying to get like get that position in the industry I just was enjoying it and that's when you go back and look at the basic love of hunting like that's what it's about it's not about the products and now I mean I have a lot of partners and stuff like that but at the end of the day I have great partners who understand I love it because it's a lifestyle and they're sometimes they get frustrated because I have a hard time getting me to like post if they want very specific things. I'm like, if it's not what I'm really doing, it's probably not going to happen. Mm. And I've over the years found really, really great companies to work with that I actually love all their products or in the, their culture and their mottos and all that. And they respect that, you know, for me, it's lifestyle. And I, I might show their products a little different than the average hardcore hunter, but I've turned it into being able to be a mom and a wife and a hunter and and it's working for you. I really enjoy following you. Thank you. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I've always wondered about this. Did you ever feel pressure to kill an animal for a sponsor or for television? Like that's one of the things that always kept me really far away from the hunting industry was mm-hmm. I just never wanted to feel like I was pressured to do that. Have you ever been put in a situation where you feel that way or do you avoid that? Yeah, I have, I have not, I guess it would probably be because I avoid it. Um, I've never felt like, Oh, I need to kill this for this company. I guess also because anything I hunt, I don't hunt a crazy, crazy, well now, especially because I'm a mom and this just has to slow down a little bit. But even before the mom days, when I was really traveling a lot, everything I hunted either came home with me to go in the freezer Mm -hmm. or stayed with um, the guide and his family or the trackers and their family or local native communities that needed it. Um, And I always had a really wonderful place for the meat to go, whether it was for myself or somebody else. And I knew it was going somewhere. And for me, whether it's me or somebody else, I, I don't know that there's much of a difference as far as just appreciating that meat. You know it's going to get appreciated. And that's always something at the back of my mind. I think if I didn't know where the meat was coming going to, which I don't know that I ever would be in that position because I personally wouldn't. I just That's an important part to me to, to use the meat, but that would be different, I guess. But yeah, I, th- I never really had that feeling. You have pressure. It was not so much for the sponsors. You have pressure um, for the TV show more because you have a lot of people working towards getting an episode. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that that was what gave me a lot of pressure. And more so knowing you had to make a great shot on camera. And like obviously that's very important when you're 100 to make an ethical quick shot. But like with a bow and stuff, stuff happens. And you don't always make it often still works but it might not be the perfect behind the shoulder shot and any archery hunter will know that um but on camera you need that to be the perfect behind the shoulder shot because that's what you show on the show and yeah that that's for me what was the hardest so even as a novice archer which I still consider myself you know I'm by no means a great amazing archer I just love it it's a lot of fun but even in the first few years like I made a horrible shot on a deer once and I was horrified that it actually worked perfect and the deer did not go far but it was not a pretty shot and I just panicked and as you do when you're a full draw with a nice white tail in front of you and I was horrified because that meant we couldn't have that tv show air because you know it wouldn't look great on camera and you don't not for our sake so much you just don't want people to be upset and see a bad shot and anyone that does it knows it happens but you just still you don't want to put something out there that's going to make us as hunters not look yeah, but it not is look um, hunting though. It's real. It is, and I but wish you that... still you're trying to present hunters in like a very clean way, I guess to say. And you would never want footage to go out there and someone that doesn't like hunting already to see that. If a hunter saw it, they say, "Okay, I get that. You know, you did what you could. It was you did everything in your power to make it proper, and it didn't work." And so stuff like that was hard because if you think about from a TV perspective, we had my time, which is was nothing, you know, whatever. But we had my dad's time that went into it. We had a cameraman that was there for a week and stand with us, so his wages and his time. And then we have the people that are helping with our blinds, their time. We have the people that are editing the show, their time. And the flights that go into it for all of us, like all those things are part of a budget. And I know it's not the glamorous way to look at a TV show, but when you're behind the scenes, it's part of it. And so those kind of things were hard, especially as a new hunter, because I didn't have 
a lot of leeway to make a lot of mistakes. And I learned that quickly. So I think the pressure was probably a lot higher on me as a new hunter and a new archer, especially because archery is so hard um, to get it right mm. really quickly. It's a lot of pressure because you have the audience, obviously not on television, uh, not only on television, but on you while you're filming. Yes. Did you ever go hunting by yourself? Have you ever been on a hunt by yourself? I've been on one hunt without cameras. <laughs> ever. Alone? No, with a friend, but like with a couple friends, but it just, yeah, that was the only time I didn't have it filmed. How and I remember feel? it being so weird. And I, I grew, I've grown up with cameras. I mean, we've had cameras in our house since I was 10-ish, probably pretty consistently in all our, a lot of family trips were really just hunting trips and they turned into family trips. Yeah. So there'd be cameras on our family trips. And I, that is very much what I'm used to. And it might sound weird to the average person who doesn't have cameras in their face all the time. But when I went on that hunt and I shot a deer with my bow with no cameras, there was a little bit of me for sure that was like, oh, I can put my hair up in a bun, wake up five minutes before we have to walk out the door, have no makeup on, look like a hot mess, wear, you know, my brother's hoodie that's way too big with no sponsor logo on it and walk out the door and go hunting. That part was nice in like a little selfish way. Like I didn't have to prepare. A little self, that's like life to me. Yeah. That is everything. (laughs) But what I did not enjoy, so I shot this deer And I made a great shot and, you know, everything worked out perfect. And I remember feeling like I just killed this deer and I didn't get to share it with the world. And I feel like I was stealing that from them. This deer died and didn't get to, no one else got to enjoy it other than me. And that was my mindset. It was just this feeling I had because I'm so used to what we do on our TV show is it's very over the shoulder, real. We don't reenact stuff. It's not fake. We don't take fake shots or any of that stuff. Because our whole purpose is to make sure that people that don't get those opportunities, or maybe they do, and right that second they're not out there hunting, they are going to feel what we're feeling as much as they possibly can from through a TV on their couch. You know, they might not be in Africa, but they're seeing the culture and they're experiencing it and they're seeing the animals and the emotions. That's what we try to share through our show. That's kind of the whole the whole purpose of it. And so when I hunted that deer, I felt like I could have shared this with. 35 million households on outdoor channel or whatever. But instead I did it to myself. I just, it was just myself and I know it sounds weird, but I just felt like it was selfish. And so I haven't, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, no one would cause it's such a weird perspective to have. About but it. it's interesting to hear you say that, but don't you feel like, like, how do you find yourself? I find myself from going hunting and fishing. How do you find yourself? Mm-hmm. Where's, where's your time to find yourself where you don't have someone watching you? Um, well, I mean, when you're on like a mountain or something, I'm trying to think in the deer stand, you just generally are set up and you have, I have a cameraman behind me and I have someone beside me and there's three of us in this little tiny tent and you can hear them breathing. Oh my God. So that, <laughs> but I still, honestly, I still often will be in Saskatchewan and the sun will be coming up and it'll be six in the morning or seven, whatever it is that time of year. And it's beautiful and there's squirrels and I mean, you're dead silent. So unless you're looking sideways and behind you, you're not thinking there's someone right there. And I find that very relaxing. And every year, I mean, it's freezing cold. And half the time I'm like, what am I doing here? It's so <laughs> cold. But I look out and I look at the sunrise and I just realize how lucky I am. And I do that every year. And like you said, find yourself. That's how I feel when I'm there. But then also there's times when you're on the mountains. And I mean, you're not filming 24-7. You're definitely filming a lot. And you're trying to capture anything that might be happening. But there'll be midday siestas when all the elk stop bugling. And you all take a break for you know, a couple hours or an hour and I'll go 50 yards from everybody else and sit there on the mountain and 
like Colorado is one of my favorite places in the entire universe in the fall with aspen trees. And if I could sit there every day of my life and just look at the aspen trees and think of, to me, it's like God's fortress of what he created and how lucky I am to be out there. And no matter how much stuff is going wrong in the hunt, technically if the, you know, the animals aren't working with us or gear's not working or weather's not with us, I still sit there and go, I would rather be here than anywhere else in the world. And you just find little moments because, and even if you're with a group, I'd still rather be there with a group than <laughs> under a roof. So you take the time to yourself in your own head mm-hmm. then. You're able to meditate kind of in your, within yourself, yeah. which is how it actually should be. So <laughs> Yeah, I just don't, I, and I don't know, I, I'm not very good at being by myself either. I don't, it's not like, oh, I'm scared of the mountain. It's just, I like being with people. Yeah, you're pretty social. Now I you, have FOMO. <laughs> I don't like missing out. I like being with <laughs> other people in company. And yeah, I'm not, even when I'm really busy and people say, you need a break. Like, yeah, I want a break, but with people, like with my husband or with my baby. <laughs> I know, it's so weird. people like you do exist because I'm like the exact opposite of you. Oh, really? Oh my God. I just, I, I can only handle being around people for so long. And it's not like strangers. That's not, no, 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 no. I totally get it. Even my husband, I'm like, look, I love you. I need a week without any of you, any of you. (laughs) That is my husband who does that. He's like, I need a break. I'm like, well, I'll come. And my husband, my husband's like you. (laughs) I'll come with you and hang out with you. I'll try to be very quiet. Like sometimes you can tell he just needs a minute. And I sit there, I'm like, am I being quiet? Am I bugging you right now? <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, this would explain your social media because you're really open with your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I find your life very inspiring. It's Social media is such a weird, bizarre thing now. It has turned into this thing and I've been in it for so long. It's just been part of who I am. It's kind of like the TV show. Like if something happens and I don't share it, I feel like those people that follow me, people that follow me are so nice. They're so sweet. And they, if I meet them in person, they actually feel like we're very good friends. And I love that. And I know we're not because I don't know them necessarily unless I somehow recognize their Instagram name or something. But I really feel like they follow me and they're kind of invested in my life. And if something happens, I mean, not every single thing I share on there, absolutely. But a lot of stuff, if something happens and I don't take a picture or share it in some way, I feel like, oh, not being fair to the people that are invested. I know it's crazy. And I sometimes take a minute and just pull back. And sometimes I'll go a week and I'll not post very much. But it's just, I mean, that's who I am and what I do. And I also, I mean, that's my job. When, at the end of the day, if you really look at it on paper, mm-hmm. that is my job. That's my livelihood, which is crazy that that's even a thing. But if that is my job and I'm complaining about having to share stuff, then I need to get it together. Or I'm doing the wrong thing, which I'm not. You know, that's, I love that. I, I've, I've always been a very positive person in, mm-hmm. I think I was born to kind of motivate people and inspire people. Not in like, oh, I'm so great. Just that's my personality of, I want to be a good example. I was always the captains of all my sports teams, like all through my life because not because I was always the best player, but I was always just the one that I got people motivated and I just wanted them to be better and be their best and be happy and, you know, work hard. And that's, I love that role. And I think social media kind of just turned into that was, I'm basically like the captain of my social media team. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's working. Yeah. And I take it very seriously. Like I don't thank goodness. My parents raised me to know right and wrong. And because you can use your platforms in a good way or in a very bad way. And I, you see both these days and I, I wake up every day feeling proud that I'm using it how I believe is a good way. And I, I can't imagine using it for anything else because you really do have the power. You have little girls following you. And I mean, same with your page, obviously. So I really can say you, you and I both, you have people that are at the age where they're very vulnerable and can see one thing and say, oh, that's good. I'm going to go do that. And if 
it's not a good thing. Like you take the blame for that. And yeah, that's I'm gonna crazy say to you're definitely a better role model than I am. <laughs> well, it's not, I mean, there's, it's all relative to your personality. It's just different people. And also there's a lot of people out there that think I'm, you know, too stuck up or something. Cause I don't swear or I don't do this or I don't do that, but that's just my personality. And I think there's different people they can follow depending on what their personalities are yeah. too, which is great about it. And that doesn't make somebody one way or the other. I always wondered if maybe you were just on and I don't just think about this in relation to you. I wonder that about everybody. And the more I've watched your story and invested in, in your life, I guess, I really don't think you're on. like, are you on? Not, not in a different personality way at all. I think when I'm in at Capella's appearances and book signings and stuff like that, that's just what I'm like. I, I actually am excited to meet people. Like I said, I love people. I love, I don't like being by myself <laughs> in any sense. I just do not enjoy it. I have to have someone around me. Um, I, the one thing that's different about me, the social media, TV me, appearance me versus fan, like the me that my husband knows is that I'm not a super social person in big groups when it's me and it's my job, it's almost like two sort of personalities that I can kind of turn it on just like I enjoy being there, but I do. But then when I go home, I think because I have so much of the social groups and I'm on all the time and I'm definitely entertaining people and I'm kind of the one they're looking at. Like if you go to a dinner at a work event, I'm the one that's like definitely has to be, I can't just sit there quiet. You know, I can't do that. But when I'm at home, I kind of don't want to do that anymore. I want to be with my husband and with my daughter, Lenny, and our close friends for sure. But if he's like, do you want to come to a work event with me and essentially be on, you know, like have to perform for people? I'm like, ooh, no thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's not, you know, that's not part of, I'd, I'd rather just spend time with him and with people that we really know. So that's, I don't love huge groups. I don't love big parties. I guess so. If that if that counts, that's fair. That's, yeah, so that's my real personality. That. But then yeah. I I just I enjoy being at work stuff. But I like where I can go do it and then go home and just not be like that anymore. Put on my sweats, put my hair up in a bun. Well, you mentioned that earlier, and I was never ever ever in this interview going to mention hair or makeup. Why do you feel the pressure to do your hair and makeup? Um, and for the record, I personally don't care if you do. No, so I don't feel the pressure so much from outside. What I feel the pressure about is that people think you shouldn't wear it, and that drives me crazy. And I think the whole thing that I've stood for since day one of hunting was I'm a lady. I am this way. This is just who I am. I'm very much part my mom, and then I'm part my dad, and that's I'm not going to apologize for being like that, but I can still love to hunt. And so my thing is like, I wear makeup every day, like I'm wearing makeup right now and all I'm doing today is this interview and then going home. I just, that's just who I am and I don't, I don't wear a ton of it, but I wear it. I enjoy it and I always have. So why should I change that just because I'm going hunting for the day because I like hunting? Like there's no reason I can't be a girl. You don't have to give up one part of yourself to go do another thing. You can do them all. People are criticizing makeup because they say that you're trying to be somebody else during the hunt. But, and I personally don't, well, I don't know. It depends on the day. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but if you who wears makeup every day and always have decides one day to not wear makeup for other people, then aren't you being exactly, exactly. what they're criticizing? Exactly. That, and that is, that's a hundred percent how I feel is that I, I don't, I've never, you can ask my parents, I've never been a big fan of people saying no to me. It's just in a, as a little girl, I was, my mom said I'd put my plow on and just go like no matter what they said. And that is, this is sort of just an extension of that. People are saying, no, like you shouldn't do that. Mm. 
and it makes me immediately fired up. Like I can do whatever <laughs> I want. If I want to wear makeup or do my nails and go to the Yukon, like who are you to tell me? And people comment on my, just the other day, someone's like, oh, your eyebrows are too dark. I'm like, first of all, this 45 year old male, who are you to tell me that my eyebrows are too dark? Do I sit there and say, oh, your stomach is too fat? Like, no, I don't because that's not none of my business and who really cares? Yeah. And that, that's kind of my big thing. And it being in... I guess the public eye, you definitely get a lot of that where people feel feel like they know you really well and mm. feel like they really have the right to comment on those things. And I try to just take it like whatever. It's not going to make me cry, but it's. I think it's weird that you think you have the right to say that. But um, yeah, so that's how I feel about it. If you don't want to wear makeup, good for you. And mm. if you want to wear 10 pounds of makeup, why Rock would I on. care? Like why? Yeah. Why would I comment or care about it for two seconds? If you love, no matter what you look like or who you are or how you were raised or where you're from, boy, girl, young, old, if you love being outdoors and love the adventure aspect and you love the animals, you love the exercise or the fresh air, whatever it is you love about it or the wild game, like you deserve to be out there. You're one of the very few people in the world where I've read so- their social media comments and have been infuriated to the point of wanting to like get on an airplane because the comments that people leave on your page threatening your life, your baby's life, mm-hmm. make me sick. Like I'm actually starting to like shake. I get so angry thinking about it. Yeah. So you now as a mom getting comments like this, are you seeing people in the world differently now that you have Lenny? When I used to get those comments when it was, so there's sort of been three phases of my life. There was the young single early twenties where I was just hunting all the time and I was kind of new to it, but I was definitely making a little bit of a ripple in the anti-hunting world I was getting a lot of those negative comments but it was just me so they would comment hateful things but I'm like okay whatever it's behind a computer it's just me who cares then I met my husband Tim and got married and he's a pro hockey player hunter fisherman like very tough (laughs) beats people up for a living for 12 years like that was he's as tough as you can get basically and they would start saying comments like people would be like he looks so gay I'm like okay (laughs) I don't care if people are gay or not but like my husband clearly is not but he'd wear something that wasn't camo and they're like oh he's gay I'm like I don't even understand where this comment's coming from but those comments were kind of funny but the actual mean ones I would get a little bit protective, but like, really, what am I going to (laughs) do? Stick up for my husband when he can definitely stick up for himself. So I kind of got over that too. I was like, okay, people are just jealous or whatever. But then once my daughter got involved, I'm different now. I'm I'm like a mama bear. This quote unquote, like where I'm very protective and (laughs) I do not like, although I have found people have been pretty respectful. I've gone through a few, like, what did I do? I can't even remember what I did to get people all mad at me, but I went on a hunt or did something and it got picked up. By, <laughs> you lived. Yeah, I lived my life. Um, so yeah, More that's, that's how hunting. like, yeah, unaffected I am by a lot of these things. I don't even remember what I did. It was just something that I naturally would do and I probably posted about it. Like I'm sure it was a hunt somewhere and I got comments about how I think I was pregnant and people said they hoped my baby came out that's retarded. That's what I'm talking and about. And like I yeah. hope she, we both died in during childbirth and yep. I was like, I read what in the world? And then the craziest thing to me that really shocks me and it's not even something I've figured out and I understand it. It's still, it's like, what in, what the heck? You go into those people's pages, you click on like this comment about, oh, I hope you die in childbirth with your retarded child and you click into her page and it's like a mom with a daughter or a, a man with kids or him with a picture with his mom and you're like, what like what kind of person are you really like that in real life or is it because you think I'm not a real person behind the screen that you feel like 
those comments are okay. I just don't know in what world those comments are okay. But yeah, it's it's a really tough balance because the protective mama in me, I mean, I could give up everything and just stay home with Lenny and try to protect her, but really what's that going to teach her? Well, it's, exactly, it's not protecting her. Yeah, it's not, and it's going to cause her issues in life. And right now, I remind myself, sometimes I'm the balance isn't always there, the balance of I'm doing a great job as a wife and as a mom and as of you know my job career. It's not all those three things are always perfectly balanced, but when it's out, sometimes it is, and I feel like I'm killing all three, I'm doing awesome, and then the next day I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to retire, or I need to do more work, or whatever. And I try to remind myself that doing what I'm doing and not staying home 100% of the time, although I am home with her a ton because my job is very flexible. I work at night a lot, and then I travel for a few days, but then I'm home for a few weeks. I try to remind myself that she's going to grow up seeing this strong woman who is a mom who does what she loves and she's hopefully making a little bit of a difference and she's really working hard to move the needle a little bit and that's what she'll see as an example and I think that's worth those few times where I feel like it's unbalanced or I could do a little better at certain things and I try to I I'm sure you do the same like you look at it and reassess okay can I cut this out or can I change this around so it's it's a busy life doing both or all three wife mom career it's definitely not as easy as it used to be when I was 23 and single but um like sleepless I'm on two and a half hours right now I yeah. think I average we were emailing last night right and we're like I'm getting up in three hours for the plane I'm like Oof, and the night before I went to bed at 5 a.m like I think I average four or five hours a night if how I'm, old if your, I'm lucky. how old your baby She's seven and a half, seven months. Okay. So yeah, yeah, she's, I mean, she's getting there. Will you hopefully get more sleep? It's not even her sleep. The problem is, is when she goes down, I start my work day. That's what I do too. Right? You have to. Everyone's like, what? My, although my daughter sleeps very well. Hallelujah. Thank goodness. But (laughs) she goes down at about eight. And generally I see my husband for about half an hour, just the two of us. And we talk or whatever. And then he goes to sleep really early because he works out at five. (laughs) So, and he works a full day after his workout. So he goes to bed at like no later than nine, usually like eight 30. He's in bed and he's like, turn off the lights. I'm like, okay. So then I go sit in my office and I'll work till about one. And my daughter sleeps so well. I can, she sleeps every day till 9am minimum. Oh my God. And so I can say countdown from like the 9am going, okay, now if I go to bed now, I'll have eight hours or seven hours or six hours. And then I just work until I get everything done. And it's nice when you work at night because you email and no one emails back. So you kind of get it out of your inbox. Until you live in Australia half the year. Oh yeah, that's right. I literally can't shut down. Because everyone, yeah. It's like you finish with one hemisphere and then you're getting emails from the other one. (laughs) So true. Bastard, stop emailing me. Yeah, I don't do that. I live in, yeah, I live on the East Coast, but I go to bed with no emails in my inbox and I wake up with like, or not wake up, but I wake up, hang out with Lenny. And then like, when she goes down for a nap, I check my emails. I'm like, dang it. There's like 200 replies. <laughs> can you guys just be slow for one second so that I can have a minute? But yeah, it's, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's balanced, but if you want to be a mom, which I've always wanted, like I said, I was voted first to get married and have a baby because I'm so maternal. And have, that's been my goal from day one was to find the perfect husband and have a family but I've also just fallen in love with this career in the outdoors I I think I I guess at the end of the day I feel a responsibility that I've built this platform like what am I supposed I don't continue doing it just so that I can keep people looking at me but like I feel like I built this platform where I can use my voice and if I stop showing people that you can be a mom and you can still do things you love and you don't have to pretend to be something else and follow your heart and, you know, do things that the average person might think is weird. But if that's what you love, you don't have to apologize for it. 
if I just give up on that, like how many people are not going to hear that message and they're going to go to the Kardashians instead and follow their message, which maybe is good in certain ways, but I think the outdoor more, you know, more natural lifestyle maybe is good for the future because we're kind of, a lot of people are going (laughs) scary directions. It's terrifying. (laughs) With technology and everything else. You're only 30. (laughs) Only. (laughs) You're so young. Is this, do you ever see yourself stopping or are you going to be like your dad, 60 and still rocking? old um I see myself not ever stopping like removing myself unless I get forced to remove (laughs) if I get forcibly removed I will go but until that day I I just grew up in the industry from day one it was not something that it has to be big and grand that you're doing in it but I just love the outdoor industry so much I love being part of it I mean I don't imagine I I'm sure I'll be at SHOT Show and SCI till I'm 70 you know it's just what I love doing every single year. I love raising, Tim and I both, we raise our daughter to love the outdoors and have that passion. And she already loves it so much. All she wants to do is go outside to the fault. I'm like, Lenny, we're literally eating dinner. I don't want to go outside right now. And she goes, she goes to the door. She goes, house, 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 house. And points at the door. I'm like, okay, (laughs) we'll go outside. Um, But yeah, so in that sense, I might not have the most social media followers when I'm 60. And I might not have a TV show about me when I'm 60. And all those sort of, things that can come and go, but the lifestyle of it and just being in love with the industry and the outdoors, I, not in a million years would I be able to stop that. I'm going to wrap it up at that. Is there anything that you would like to add or ask me? I was wanted to ask you all kinds of questions, but I just realized I haven't even let you talk. It's not, it's not supposed to be about me. <laughs> but I'm interested. No. <laughs> let me take you fishing and we can talk about it off camera. Yeah. Yeah, okay. or I'll bring a camera and film it. <laughs> I want to share fishing with the people. I also things like that that I'm really like. I'm really bad at fishing. I love it, but I'm. You know what? It would actually have... be really awesome watching you share that. I think you'd yeah. like it more than you realize. Or in New Zealand, when you're actually stocking up on these enormous like twelve pound brown trout in streams from here to that wall, and you've got to get right to that fish so you can make the cast. It is so cool. Here's a, so I think I would love that. I really do. And I, I do love fishing. I'm just not good at it. And Tim is so hardcore. Like, crawl. He's not the best teacher because it's a husband wife thing. He's yeah, so no. good at it. No. <laughs> I'll be like asking for help and he can't take a second away from casting because he's like there's a big bass over there, whatever. <laughs> but the other thing I don't get, I hunt because I love the meat. I hunt because, you know, I I love having that protein. And you spend all this day fishing and you throw them all back. I'm like, Mm-mm. what are you doing? No, no, eat it. But he's like, if you eat a bass, people would kill you. No, like, no, okay, I, keep, I, I keep tons of my fish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's the bass fishing is what I'm most used to because that's what he does. And people generally don't keep those, which I get. It's sort of a bass fisherman thing. But <laughs> I, I like fishing for things that you can eat <laughs> because then you're like, this is a purpose. It's fun and it's cool and enjoyable, but you're actually bringing it home and you're feeding it to people, to your family or whatever. And that's... Uh, na- natural it's this yeah. thing called natural it's yeah. A, yeah a circular thing and my dad's the same way he's like tim why do you throw throw them back in and tim explains it to us and both of us are like yeah we don't get that yeah well you're not alone in that and i was telling your dad earlier the whole key is to make there be enough fish so that we can keep the fish um i'm gonna wrap it up it was so nice to talk to you thank you for having me thank you and that concludes this episode of anchored thank you for listening out 
there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.